There shall be signs in the sun. February or March before our prophecy conference and I may show you that one of these nights maybe Wednesday night I don't know I just I don't know if you're asking I don't know but uh, it is it is quite a disturbing thing and I probably have reference to it in the ministry tonight I'm waiting here I'm waiting on on uh, the Lord, I guess. Puts a fine congregation, fine spirit. Everything is ready. I wish you had a preacher. And uh, Luke 21, 25. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and looking after those things which are coming upon the earth, or on the earth, for the powers of heavens shall be shaken. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory when these things begin come to pass, then look up. When you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. I've always said that there are no signs of the rapture of the church. All of the signs that are given in the word of the Lord have to do relative to his second coming to the earth. Before that second coming to the earth, we which are alive and remain shall be caught out, our pedzo stolen out of, and caught up to meet him in the air. He's not coming all the way back to the earth the first time, or the first visit. He is coming to get us, and we shall be caught away to meet him in the air. I've done a little comparing, and uh, I've, I've had a study of Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark as well, this matter of the coming of the Lord. We've looked at it, and we have studied it, and done some comparison, but I would like to do some more. It is Luke 13, Matthew 24, Mark, I mean Mark 13, and Luke 21. Comparison of those. And all who study seriously, by that I mean who have done a word study and a step-by-step a, uh, -step comparison of each of these uh, writers in the recording of the dissertation of Jesus relative to the end time, all agree that it is hard to discern when Jesus is having reference to the destruction of Jerusalem and when he is having reference to the second coming of the Lord. But I think that all or many agree that 
he is having reference to both. He is having reference, first of all, to the destruction of Jerusalem, and then as, as using that as a type, he also looks forward to the end of the world. The questions that they asked him, the disciples, was as they were looking at the beautiful stones of the temple, granite stones that showed pink in the sunlight, beautiful work that was done. They were very proud of it, and they were showing Jesus the buildings of the temple. That's when the little widow cast in her might, and after that is when Jesus began to make predictions about Jerusalem. And he, uh, he said that uh, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. We know he's talking about Jerusalem, first of all. Personally, I believe the preponderance of material that he spoke has to do with the destruction of Jerusalem. I believe in the latter verses, he had, does have reference to the coming of the Lord. Hardly any of them, and I think none of them hardly, have reference to the rapture of the church. He is talking to the Jews. He is talking to them about Jerusalem being destroyed, and in many years, years after that, the coming of the Lord. Now, in all of them, they read about alike, inasmuch as they do follow a line, a particular outline. And that is, he talks to them, first of all, about persecution. They are going to, they're going to lead you before magistrates, and some of you will be killed. You take no thought of what you shall say. And that is as it should be that he should mention persecution first. Because many people died before the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Many people died. And uh, it is good and it is true that he talks about persecution first. Because much of the church would die and would be killed. Especially the Jews, and I think he was being very uh, Hebraistic in his approach at this particular time. Then next after that, if you will take all three of those chapters talking about the coming of the Lord or the destruction of Jerusalem, he first deals with the persecution that was coming which did come. The church scattered in Jerusalem. Then he talks about the abomination of desolation, the death of Jerusalem, the overthrow of Jerusalem. Under Titus Vespasian in 70 A.D., he talks about that. I think in Matthew 24, Luke 21, when he mentions the abomination of desolation, he's not having reference to the final abomination of desolation of the Antichrist in the end time, but he's having reference to that prefiguring the people of the prince that shall come, according to the book of Daniel. He is having reference to Titus. Because you notice then, after he talks about the uh, abomination of desolation standing in the temple, he talks about the desecration of the temple, Jerusalem trodden underfoot until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Then in Matthew he makes a statement, then after the tribulation of the, these days, he talks about that as tribulation. Then he says, the sun and the moon and the stars shall be darkened. So he makes a difference in tribulation and what happens at the end time. You see what I'm talking about? I personally believe the book of Revelation is not applicable, as you've heard me teach before, not to have the word tribulation applied to it, but the word wrath. 
This was a shock. The other day I was on the tabulating committee at the general conference and right across from me was my beloved brother who uh, was a post-tribulation rapturist and taught right in front of me. He said, I'm so happy to be sitting at this table with you. He said, I want to tell you that I had never heard before that the book of Revelation in that time was not uh, exactly a time called tribulation calypsis, which is pressure, but a time of wrath. He said, I'd never seen that before, but I appreciate that so much. You're a sweet, sweet fellow. And, uh, but it is the word six times used, wrath, in the book of tribulation only once. Or in the book of Revelation, tribulation is only used one time. All right. So Jesus in Matthew 24, Luke 13, and uh, Mark 13 and Luke 21 follows a pattern. Persecution. Titus overthrow of Jerusalem. Pray that your flight be not in the winter. Water them that give suck in that day, or that have children. And when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, you which in Judea flee into the mountains, which you are out in the field, don't come home to take anything. You're on the rooftop, flee by the way of the roofs. Go the roads of the rooftop and flee unto Pella. He told them where to go. And we do know that the Christians escaped Jerusalem when Titus overthrew it. Josephus says he crucified a million and something people. I, I think that's an exaggeration. I don't think that many people was in Jerusalem. But at least it must have been a great number. But then he, after he talks about Titus in Jerusalem, then he seems to move to the end of the world and says, The sun and the moon and the stars shall be darkened. And then he says, The sea and the waves roaring. I think he is having reference to the great earthquake that is mentioned in the book of Revelation. Men's hearts failing them for fear of what's coming upon the earth. And then shall they see the Son of Man. They shall see the Son of Man. Notice that he didn't say you. They shall see the Son of Man coming in his glory. Now when these things began to come to pass, you lift up your head. What things? I think he is having reference to that last few verses that he's talking about the sun and the moon and the stars being darkened when you see these things began. Not when you see after you see them, but when you began at the beginning is when you are to look up. I think if Jesus is having reference to a preparatory condition of the church at all in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, here is probably the place that he is having reference to what the church should do. Look up! For your redemption is drawing nigh. Now I'm going to show you tonight with the help of God, that He prepared the Jews and the early church for the destruction of Jerusalem. I do not believe He was saying them to look up. I believe He was telling them, set your eyes on North Galilee. I do not believe He was instructing them to look up at the destruction of Jerusalem. He says, you look at Jerusalem and you see it compassed about with armies, then you flee. He didn't say, look up. Nothing's coming from the sky. The Lord is not returning in glory. You flee unto Judea. And we know the place that they went was a place 17 miles south of Galilee called Pella. 
Josephus says none of the Christians died in Jerusalem's destruction under Titus because 38 years previously, Jesus had warned them. There's another interesting thing. That little scripture that says, this generation shall not pass away till these things come to pass. It could not be he was having reference to the end of the world. Those things that were in the latter day, he was having reference. They said, when shall these things be? What things? The things about the temple being destroyed and being thrown down. He started with that. And the instructions of Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21 have to do with the instructions to the Jews... When Jerusalem is to be destroyed, he said you are to flee, to run, pray that it's not in the winter. What difference would it make if it were, people believe that's the rapture of the church? What makes a difference if the rapture is in the winter or the summer? What difference if it makes if you've got a child or not if it's the rapture of the church? It doesn't. The coming of the Lord at the second coming when He returns with all of His saints. What difference does it make? Would it make if you were uh, in Jerusalem or if you were out of Jerusalem when the coming of the Lord? But He was specifically instructing them and telling them this generation is not going to pass away until these things come to pass. And the things He was talking about was the original point of the conversation of the destruction of Jerusalem, the overthrow of that temple, it being desecrated, the vessels of worship being taken to Rome, by Titus, by Vespasian, and uh, he was warning them, when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, if you're out in the field, don't come back home to take your stuff away, but just flee. If you're on top of the mountain, or if you're on top of the housetop, don't come down to take anything out of the house. Just go ahead and leave. How are you going to leave? You say, B.S. And uh, Polly, uh, and pardon me, uh, Josephus tells us there were roads of the rooftop, flat roofs that they traveled, as you know, to get over the wall. I've told you that before, but what I am stressing here tonight is he moves and he does move from the destruction of Jerusalem and the tribulation of those days to a time when the sun and the moon and the stars are going to be darkened. And there is no instructions whatsoever in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21 about the rapture of the church unless I have found it for you right here. He told them to flee. He told them what to see. When the arm is about Jerusalem, you run. But he says when this, these things began, now it's not, he's talking about the sun in the latter part, the sun, moon, and stars began to be dark. When these things began to come to pass, you look up. I think I have found tonight the probable reference to what you and I should do. We're not to look to Jerusalem. We're not to watch. We probably never will see the armies around Jerusalem. That's not what we're to watch for. But when we begin to see these last things come to pass, when we see the heavenly bodies begin to be disturbed, that's when we are to do what we know to do. Not flee to Pella. 
Not flee to Judea. That's not our instructions. He says one thing, and I think it's directed to us. Look up. Look up. It didn't say go up because you can't go up. You can't rapture yourself. You can't make a bit of difference in it at all. There's only one thing you can do, and that's keep your eyes on the sky and believe. That first thing he talked about, he did not instruct them to keep their eyes on the sky nor to look up because there was nothing coming from the skies to help them. Their help was to flee. That's all there was to it. They were to run. But in the latter verses, I believe he is. Now he talks about the sea and the waves roaring. I said, I believe that he is having reference to the great earthquake in the latter part of the book of Revelation. There are going to be earthquakes in diverse places. They're going to get worse and they will get worse. There will be one where every island will be moved out of its place. And every mountain will be brought low. And as I told you, I believe the continents will come back together again. Be one continent finally. Can you imagine what kind of an earthquake that's going to be? I was reading a, 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 the words of a man by the name of Humboldt. He's a missionary to uh, Africa many years ago. Who experienced an earthquake. His first. And he said, never is there a situation when a man feels like all of the security of his life has escaped him as when he is in an earthquake. You stand on the earth, it is constantly solid. You never, you never feel any difference. It's always there to catch you when you fall. The earth you've trusted in all of your life. He said it's a different thing when you feel it begin to quiver and shake beneath you. And you think, I'll run to the house. And he says, you see, the house is collapsing, offering no refuge whatsoever. So you say, I'll run to the forest. And he says, lo, the trees are shaking as though it is a wind and they're quaking and they are crashing against one another. And he said, the sound is greater than the multitude of storms. For things are crashing against one another. And the earth that you have trusted in has certainly become an upheaval. It says that earthquakes are nothing but volcanoes that have been shut up too long. Be that as it may. He says, I'll run to the sea. And he says, to his amazement, the sea began to flee. And boats that were standing and waves that were deep and water that was deep were left standing on the sand in that particular earthquake because of its devastation and how near it was to the actual place that it happened to its epicenter. He said, boats that were in deep water were left standing upon the sea. So he said, the flea, he, uh, he, the sea fled back from him. He said, he looked at the houses, he looked at the trees, he looked at the sea, and finally the only thing. He looked up and he said, did you know, it seemed that the sky was the only place that forever remained the same and was not shaken by all that was going on down here. Maybe that's why the Lord is going to tell us to look up because that's the only thing that's not going to be shaken when it's all over with. Amen. Amen. I believe the pace of the earthquakes will quicken 
And when it does, when it begins to come to pass, not after it's over with, but when it begins, I'm glad he put that. That's when we're to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. I want you to know that what I'm going to preach tonight, just a few more minutes about look up. That's the only direction of the church is to look. Not look around you, because that's going to go down. Not look at Jerusalem. There's no safety in that Jerusalem. There's going to be a new one come down from God out of heaven. Don't look at your government. That's going down. We're losing every day. When I, when I show you this salt syndrome thing that will fit into prophecy, you'll hear the words of Kissinger solemnly as he sits there and he said, Never has a nation accepted unilaterally such loss in its arms and such loss in its military capabilities. We did it ourselves. And shows the picture how that in the Iranian crisis, Carter ordered the 7th Fleet into the Mediterranean to take care of it. But Russia sent word, you do, and we will fight. It shows them making a U-turn and heading back this way. We can't do it like we used to do it anymore. You, Jesus did not tell us when you see these things happening to look at your government and trust in man. No, 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 no. Because that's not going to hold up for you. I believe we're living on the verge right now. Great and good America. God bless America tonight. But I'll tell you, we're living on the verge when she is outdone in many areas with the military strength. We cannot place our voice as we used to. I do not place my soul salvation. I do not trust in this earth that I'm standing on right now. I think it's about all over and for more and more and more. I am stressing soul. Be constantly aware of the nearness of the coming of the Lord. I would like to be so alert. I would like to be so alert in my Lord's spirit that everything that happens around me, that He would let me know whether or not it comes into play about the end time situation or not. I would like to know that. Look up. Somebody said, well, that's a matter of encouragement. Well, I'll tell you, in the time of Noah, you know how many windows was in the ark? There was just one. You know where that was? In the top. So the only way you could see out was up. I believe at the end time, that's the only way the church is going to see any hope whatsoever. We have no appeal whatsoever except to look up and believe that there's something going to come from there. The earth is going to be changed. Governments are going to be changed. Things are going to be turned topsy-turvy. The only thing that you can look for is somewhere in the sky. There will come that appeal for the soul of man and the Lord will appear. If that is not true, I say, woe is my soul. I'm so happy I don't believe like Herbert W. Armstrong that this world is going to be made, is going to get more righteous, more righteous. It's going the other way. I'd not live to see it. Those who believe will be resurrected back to this earth. I don't want to come back here no more. Amen. I, I'm glad that's not my hope. I believe that. I believe. I am so happy that I have a living hope. Thank God. And it comes to my soul that I am going to literally 
Thank God see my Lord and, and feel Him drawing me, rapturing me through and the air into His presence. I don't only believe that it's a matter of encouragement, look up. But I believe it's a matter of, of gazing in the direction that He is coming from. Those blessed words of the angels when the disciples at first church stood and watched Him go up until He was nothing. Glory. I believe that happened. Those two angels said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing? Why are you looking? You can go about your business now. He's not coming back that direction. You can go on about your business. But the same Jesus that you saw go away is coming again in like manner. And I don't know anybody that's looking for Him in the same light that He went away except the church of the living God. The Jews are looking for their Messiah to come through the lineage of Dan. They are looking for their Messiah to be the leader of a government. They will look for Him to come and be such a persuader and a power and to develop their country that all other nations will be subjected. They're looking at the land of Israel today. But that was the old time when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies. Then look at the land. Then look at Jerusalem. Then flee to the hills. But bless your heart, when these things start coming to pass, the sun and the moon turn into blood and the earth starting to shake. When we see the cataclysmic changes of the earth begin to take place, then we are not to look at Jerusalem. We're not to look at the land. We're not to look at, at the nations. We're not to look at our government. Thank God. But I want us to turn back to that same Jesus that went away. You're going to see Him coming again in like manner. Hallelujah to God. I say the church is the only thing that has the faith to Him who looked for Him. Shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation? We're the only ones. Sometimes I gaze past that full moon and I gaze past yonder star and I say, Jesus, how close are you to me right now? I literally am keeping my eyes and my heart upon the sky because He is going to get us out before the fire starts. I believe He's going to get us out before it's blown to bits. I believe He's going to get us out before this earth shakes into one continent. We are to look up when it begins. I think very close to the coming of the Lord is the cataclysmic shaking of this old earth and the rattling, thank God, of the governments. I think it's going to be on the heels of the rapture of the church. Praise God. I do believe there are signs of the coming of the Lord for His church. But those signs are in us. What are they? He is telling us as surely as we're here tonight. The immoral situation of the country. The Jews are in Palestine. Governments are failing. Homosexuality is the religion of the day. It's taken over. Atheism is challenging everything. 
Everything is going down. There is no answer. Where do you go after a gas crisis? Where do you go when you've got billions on the people uh, on the earth and they don't know how to take care of themselves and there is no food for them? Where do you go after you have no ability to move around and to make do for these people? Our government was crying and was saying cities have to have fuel so that they can move to their jobs or else they will starve right where they are. There is no way back, my friend. We are committed to a course. Praise God. And I'm telling you again. It is the church who can look at it and can look for Him to come in glory. There's only one way to see out. And that's up. That's where I'm looking for Him. Is up. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I'm disturbed. That Salt Syndrome disturbed me. It really disturbed me to see. I can't believe that we so ignorantly of 27 of the commitments and the treaties we have signed with Russia, they have broken or cheated on all except one of them. And it's about to be done again. You say, I understand you're against salt. Oh, I might say I am, but the truth is, I know that God has had to bring us down. I know what's happening. You know why? I know what's happening is because I'm looking up. If all I had to do was trust in this country, I would be sitting on the senator's doorstep tonight telling him, Sir, don't you see what we're doing? I would probably do, be doing my best as a patriotic American trying to get that change turn, thing turned and trying to secure myself and my family if that's what I was looking for. But the truth is, I do not have hope in what's going to go on. I am not looking around me, but I'm looking up... That is the only instruction. Praise God. I say that's the only... Jesus did not tell the church what to do. If you read, if you read in, in the epistles, you will hear Paul talking about that there's going to be a catching away before these things happen. You'll read where that we are not all going to die, but there's going to be a rapture. Uh, praise God who will be changed from this earth. And the word is very scant about the Lord coming for His church. But there is a feeling in it. The scriptures are there. I'm not saying they're not there. But my friend, he has warned the others and he warned the early church what to look for at the destruction of Jerusalem. He gave us no warning whatsoever at this end time. Why? Because he's got an open line to your soul. When he fills you with a Holy Ghost, he put a receiver within you that can receive all of the news from glory. And can tell you exactly what's going on. And my soul is receiving those waves and those vibrations tonight. I am picking them up from the nether world. And I am transmitting them to this people. You say, I don't believe it. Then God bless your soul. You have your own heart. And you look whatever you want to. You trust in your job and watch it go down. You trust in your own ability. You trust in that 30 or 6 you got on the wall. And watch it be taken away from you. You trust in that handgun that you're going to hide under the hay in your barn. And watch them find it. And you'd be left without protection if that's what you're going to trust in. I will not trust in horses and I will not trust in men but I will trust in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
I believe the Quest program is going to do one thing. I believe it's going to make folks start holding their head up like they got a nosebleed, just like the apostles watched him go away. It's going to be a bunch of us watching for that same coming back in the clouds of glory. Now, there's no way for that to happen but for me to preach it. Amen. For me to tell you, get your eyes on the sky. We're not watching UFOs, but we will know. We will have a feeling. It will become stronger the closer He gets to us in literal presence. The stronger that feeling will get within our heart. Keep your eyes. This same Jesus is so go away. Look up. Look up. For your redemption is drawing near. For you who love your pleasure, drown yourself in pleasure and be completely oblivious of what's going around you. It'll make it easier for you. The day might come that you might long for the drunkard's mind when he lays in the gutter and he is oblivious of the quaking and the shaking and he's oblivious of the governments that are falling. You might long for his, his very station in life before it's all done and all gone. But for those of us who are very much alive, I'll not be satisfied with the empty conundrums of the world. I'll not be satisfied with the fire of a bottle. I'll not be satisfied with the thrill of a make-belief religion. I'm not going to follow after the popular. And I'm going to go along with whatever the whole crowd's following. Praise God, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. It leads to life. Few there are who find it. If you would like to have the averages given, I'll give them to you tonight. You want the averages? Here they are. Broad as the way, broad as the gate, it leads to destruction, and many there be there go in there it, but straight as the gate, narrow as the way, that leadeth to life. Few there are. Oh, there was there was eight in the days of Noah that made it out. There were three in the days of Lot. That made it out. Out of the two million that started from Egypt to Canaan, only two of the original made it in. Amen. Like one man said, Jesus had 5,000 at a picnic. Amen. Oh yeah, 120 at a prayer meeting. Three in the garden. And one at Calvary. Amen. The number's getting smaller all the time. Jesus said there'd be few. You can look at what you want to, but I got my eyes. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to have your sky conscious. I'm going to have you look at literally. I mean literally. Hallelujah to God. Jesus said, you hypocrites, you can watch the clouds and tell whether it's going to be fair or, or ill weather, but you can't discern the signs of the times. This is what you and I are supposed to do. And the more I see what's going on around me, the more the heart of me looks up through those clouds. I look through the murky clouds of Louisiana, and I say, Jesus, I believe I'm going to see you somewhere out there. Glory to God, fix my eyes upon Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've quoted that scripture down in the 36th verse, which has also to do with us. Watch and pray, therefore, 
always that you may be accounted worthy to escape or fly out of these things that shall come to pass. Did you know the word that pray is not prosukumai, which is the normal word for pray, but it is beg. It is beg. Prayer is request. But because we as Christians know what's coming, I believe we're going to, as the book of Revelation says, we're going to say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're going to add fervor to it. Watch and beg. Amen? And so it's translated in Marshall's translation of the Nestle's text. He puts it, watch and beg. Praise God, praise God. I'll tell you, the more we have in our heart, the more, and the deeper it's going to know on us. The more we know about His coming, and the more we know what's going on around us, we're going to not just pray, but we're going to beg that we can be accounted worthy to escape these things that shall come to pass. Somebody said, I'm not ready, Brother Therese. I don't have the Holy Ghost. Then you don't have an open line to the glory world. He communicates and speaks through the Spirit. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now the Holy Ghost is talking. You need that, my friend. It is the power, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead has got to dwell in your mortal body to lift you up. I say if you don't have it tonight, you probably will never leave this world. You say, I'm a good person. Good, I'm glad you are. You say, I'm a moral person. That's good. But he said, without my spirit you are none of mine and to determine what that spirit is like I'll take you to the book of Acts tonight and we will discuss what happens to people who receive the spirit of God we'll just look at it right in here hallelujah keep your eyes look up look up praise God that's not the instruction of the first day church it would have been a foolish thing for them to stand out in their fields with with uh, Titus coming against Jerusalem and look up that wasn't their instruction Amen. That's to us. That's the only one we got. That's the only way I can look is up. That's the only undisturbed area. That's the only unchanged area I'm going to look up and be watching. I will repeat, I believe literally that I shall see him. And you can imagine, why do you stand gazing? Gazing. Can you imagine them watching him go? Gazing their mouth open. There'll be a church waiting with the same spirit that's going to watch for him to come back. Gazing. Watching. For them who look for him. This is scripture. For them who look for him. Hmm. I like the feel of that. Say it with me. To them who look for him shall he appear. To only those who look for him. The second time, without sin, unto salvation. God bless your heart tonight. You say, Brother Treese, I'm not ready. There are qualms. My heart is shaken as a quake. And I am moved by things that I cannot control. My passions guide my life. My, my heart is disturbed constantly. It's as a frothing sea beaten by angry winds. I can't keep still. I toss at night. I am angry with the world. I am distraught with all mankind.
find, I find no solace whatsoever. Only in the quagmire of my own frustrations I resort and it becomes a labyrinth jungle to decay and rot in. Oh, wretched man that I am. Sir, your shoulders need to shake under the impact of the convicting power of God to move you from your sin and give you the promise of a moving fire that will burn out the dross and will help you to live. Keep your eyes upon the sky. I wish everybody could feel about it. I'm uh, like I feel, I do. I certainly wish that. Oh, I wish that. My great God, I wish everybody could feel that. Everything that's happening nowadays, I'm laying it right down on that particular map. I'm laying it on that particular, see how that fits into the puzzle. I'm looking at it. And I'm requesting you that are praying saints, let's pray more, more, more. We must pray more. Hallelujah. We are not playing church here. Thank God. Get ready for somebody to step on your toes. Get ready for somebody to preach something that, that aggravates you and angers you. Let it be alright. Take your correction. Take the Word of God. Do something with it. My God, deliver us from this little puny kind of a Christian experience. We call it and we aggravate and we anger at somebody's testing us constantly. Let us be mature when we look at the sky. you got the love of God in your heart. You forgive all men around you. You love everybody. Hallelujah. Your heart is a prayer constantly, constantly, constantly. Amen. <laughs> to them who look for Him. The world, nobody, nobody's looking for Him. Nobody. Except one group, and that's the church of the living God. Help us to be ready, Father. Make us ready. God, love your heart. You know, I remember how I stood the night the Holy Ghost dealt with my soul and I was lost. Shall I ever forget that? Shall I ever move away from that experience? I doubt it. It's, it, it's been quite lasting in my mind and my life. I'll never forget it battles that everybody fights shall I walk down in front of everyone and say I need God shall I be embarrassed I'll never forget it oh great God I'll never forget the crying and the weeping that went on in my own heart I'm sorry for you that can't be disturbed enough you might be too far we're living in a world where it's common now to find people who are past feeling of the hand of God. We're living in a world right now where it's past feeling. People can't feel God anymore. I meet them all the time. I meet them that can smile and grin at you when God's dealing with them and it doesn't touch them anymore. Meeting that. If you are still tender toward the Spirit of God, you're a special group. You're living real life. It's real. Amen. Amen. Preachers that I know, preachers' children that I know, saints' children that I know. One other warning. I'm seeing a curse of perversion 
placed upon more people than I've ever seen it before. This is a sign. I've seen it upon more Pentecostal families. I wish I had time to go with you through the first book of Romans and I'd show you how that happens. I'd show you how it happens. When you know Him as God, you don't honor Him as God. So you are given up to your own lust to work that which is unseeming. Women leaving the natural use for one another. And men burning in their lust one for another. Which things God has reserved. Amen. For a destruction. I'm warning you Pentecostal families. The rebellion that's in your heart may reflect in that child. And then be what I'm talking about right now. I'm warning you. I'm warning you young people. I'm warning you young fellows and you young ladies. When you know him as God glorify him.